0: Good evening. Welcome to Let's Talk. We are here with Tyrone Russell and Kevin Green of the Cleveland School of Cannabis. Welcome, gentlemen. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Appreciate
1: it, man. Good to be here. Having
0: us. Listen, it's, it's exciting to have you guys here, man. I've been looking forward to this. So, so, Tyrone, you are the president of the Cleveland School of Cannabis, correct? Yes, sir. All yes, right. Sir. Before we really jump into... The the work that you do at the school. Tell us about Tyrone, man. What what do you want what do you want the listeners to know? Let's talk.
1: I don't know, man. I think if if I'm introduced as the Cleve- as a president of the Cleveland School of Cannabis, I feel like I'm supposed to give a little bit of that resume so it makes sense. But originally from San Diego, California, man, been on the East Coast since uh, right before graduating high school and going into college at Koga University. And then after that, really sticking through higher education and staying with it, man. I, I uh, went to school for um, my master's in college student personnel, which means essentially you're learning about how colleges work, okay. how they're built, so on and so forth, and counseling. So I could talk to the students that, that actually okay. go to the college, man, and then um, stayed in that, that industry for a minute and then transitioned out and got involved with uh, – the Cleveland School of Cannabis through our other business, Faces International, and we were asked to be the marketers for a bright idea of building workforce development in the cannabis industry. And they tapped on us and and, you know, the history, you know, fit with the future uh, mm. for, for this organization. And it all started to work out. But family, man, husband, uh, three beautiful daughters all across the, the, the age range and um, an absolutely ecstatic father. To some young uh, black girls, man. So I'm excited to be here tonight,
0: and uh, wow. yeah, we'll talk more. Okay. One one word. One one word to describe yourself. Passionate. Passionate. Yeah. Okay, Mr. Passionate. Thank you. <laughs> Kevin Green. What's going
2: on? Hey, welcome, welcome. Tell us who is Kevin Green. <laughs> you know, it, it, this is always a funny thing. Just trying to explain, I guess, explain yourself. But uh, currently, as you know, Tyrone says uh, uh, his business partner. Um, at the uh, Cleveland School of Cannabis and the current vice president right now. And for me, you know, a Jamaican immigrant came to this country when I was six, seven-ish, uh, you know, to Brooklyn, as all Jamaicans mm. rightfully do. Franklin Ave. Cortell, you rode, you know, off Flatbush. Okay. Everybody knows, knows okay. you know, between, right. you know, off, uh, not too far from Beverly, so. That's right, you that's know. right. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, grew up in northern New Jersey. Oh, my mom wanted to get me out of the city. And then um, went to uh, school in Jersey, Willie P, and then left school and then uh, came out to Pennsylvania, where I reside now. um, And things kind of went from there. You know, a different road for me really was trying to just really kind of grab and figure out where I was after school. Not really sure, looking at like business, but always wanted to be an entrepreneur. And for me, it was uh, how to kind of get to that place. So that really always kind of drove me trying to just do my own thing, because I think uh, I've always looked at myself as a person that probably doesn't do well. Has never done well with authority, and I don't know if it's authority or just, like, not being able to have the freedom to kind of create what I want to see in the world. Now, you know, a father, a husband, you know, recently married and things of that sort, and just ecstatic about, you know, the, the next opportunities, you know, that I have to be able to go ahead and, you know, really, really make happen.
0: We, we can do a whole show about that whole recently married thing, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so, so what's your adjective, man? One word. Uh, one word. Misunderstood. Mm. That hit me. I can relate to that. Misunderstood. Uh, so, Kevin, I've, I've heard you describe yourself before as a serial entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. And for both of you guys, it seems like entrepreneurship is infused throughout your journey, whether you're going to school to learn to how to talk to students and college personnel. There's still this story of, of entrepreneurship, right? Mm-hmm. A serial entrepreneur. Tell us about that. What does it mean? I've heard you use the term many times before.
2: Mm-hmm you know i think for me what um i started to look at was i have a lot of interests right okay. i'm into a lot of different things and i think after realizing and seeing what happened especially in 2008 you know, when the gig economy really, really started and people start to look at the skills that they have and how do you monetize them to make money from that, Um, and then obviously the continued growth of technology that's happened since that time, I think it gave us the tools to actually, like, test out on some of these interests and skills we Mm. want, right? But also see people from all over the world give you a roadmap of how you can actualize your skill sets. So I think from that mentality that's always been in me of liking a lot of different things and being able to kind of move in a lot of different places, Um, and And then also at the same time, you know, looking at examples of what it means to, you know, when I look at like, you know, business people and they talk about all the things that they they own and they do and they're involved in, I'm like, well, you know, I would love to be that type of person as well. Um, And I think that's a maximize of, I think, your baseline skills that you have uh, that are within you and whether that's leadership, you know, being able to build out processes or just being an innovative, creative person. And being mm-hmm. able to put a lot of cool new ideas and thoughts to things. Uh, so I think for me, serial entrepreneurship is all about being able to maximize all the skills you have and being able to bring that talent and that value to the world through multiple different medians. Mm-hmm. Um, and powerful. then building the teams around that to you know, make that happen. That's yeah. powerful. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. So, so,
0: so you said you're not a big one to work for
2: folks and follow too many directions, but you know how to lead. Yeah. I mean, is that is that am I hearing them correctly? <laughs> you know, uh, I don't want to say n- not only. I think I, I think I work better in teams. In teams, okay. with good leadership, I'm a, I am a definitely a big team person. Beautiful, um, beautiful. You know, I, I don't really like. I can run alone, but I don't really enjoy yeah. it. And I've always fed off of playing majority team sports. I've always fed off of the success of others around my team and the success that it brings me, you know, as well, and being able to do that together. So I've always envisioned a lot of my success was because it was kind of based around sports and things that I did with other people was always based on like, oh, we'll get there. We'll get there. Collectively. Yeah, collectively. So I think that's that's always been kind of bred in me.
0: Thank you. So Tyrone, talk talk to us like this idea of entrepreneurship, right? Because I mean, when 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 I look at you guys and I hear that you own and run a college, that's like right. wow, right? right? But there's a journey to get there. So Kev talked about this serial entrepreneur idea. Like, how yeah. do you get there from going to college for working with college students counseling? Yeah, and- yeah I feel like, um, and Kev, we might have
1: heard it as him saying I
0: I can't follow direction,
1: so I do this. But I always talk to Kev about um, how I think we 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 were born this way and kind of bred this way in some mm-hmm. elements of it. So I always tell folks I went to 11 different schools before graduating high school. And I think that that lack of stability, if you will, um, and that constant change found its way in the way that I I view the world and I approach the world. And the only way that I can get that constant change and really that constant challenge where you go from point A to point B to point C to point D versus just sitting in point A for 20 years and then going to point B for another 30 years. The way you do that, the way I did that in life transition to the way that I do that in business and the way that I approach work and the way that I approach school Like, my mind is always working. That's right. And one thing I knew is that um, early on when when my mother would get called to the school because Tyrone can't sit still. Tyrone won't stop talking. Tyrone won't start doing this. He can't be in his class. From going through that... And then growing up and realizing that, damn, it's just I can't sit in this office like this. I can't just sit that's here right. and do the same thing every day like yeah. this. So how do I get to create and leave my mark uh, wherever I go and then constantly evolve? And that's how I found entrepreneurship. I was like, I got, I always got ideas that I want to implement. And having somebody watch over me and tell me what I can and I can't do because they can't see the vision or they can't put themselves in the space that I'm in,
0: I, I said, I, I can't do this, right? So so the gold watch wasn't for you necessarily?
1: Not nah, not at all. Not yeah. at all. It was how do we produce? How do we create? How do we let our minds um, really expand and do what we were put here to, to do? And we could only find that in entrepreneurship because Kevin and I came up with two different teams. And when we met each other, we, we looked around and said, bro, we... <laughs> There's something here, the way you view it, the way I view it. And then the way some folks on our team view it, they may not have the ability to see the big picture the way we do or pull certain aspects out of themselves the way we do. So when I look at the entrepreneurship, I got into college uh, student personnel because I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. Right. I was sitting there, graduated and was sitting doing a summer summer program for first generation college students. And the dude called me and said, hey, you want a job? I said, yeah. He said, come come interview. And I interviewed and he gave me the job so you can work for Colgate in our new residence life program. And that's how I found college student personnel. Okay. Cause I was there for two years and then they said, and that's what you were exposed to. That's what I was exposed to. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The guy gave me my first job out of college. Yeah. I said, cool. Yeah. And he, and he sent me on that trajectory. So um, after that, even working at, at Lehigh, I was like, I can't do this. And I had a lot of autonomy there. A lot of autonomy, mm-hmm, bringing mm-hmm. folks like Nas, Reverend Jesse Jackson, uh, the last twins, folks like that on campus was all because I had autonomy to do it, but it still wasn't enough. Because there was still something telling me, you can't do this unless we allow you to do it. So entrepreneurship
0: was the only way. So if we keep this conversation going, this is going to be an episode about entrepreneurship. Yeah. But we're here to talk about who you are, right? Sure. But also we want to talk about one specific facet of your entrepreneurial journey, and that's Cleveland School of Cannabis. Yeah. Tyrone, talk to us about how did you get there and where are you and what does that mean to own and operate Cleveland School of Cannabis? Yeah, man, we we met a guy on a plane who wanted us to, who wanted some help. That's how I got into cannabis, too. Yeah. Met a guy on a plane. (laughs) Different, different, different. Different (laughs) episode. Right. Sounds like you're in a single-engine plane. In San Diego, right? (laughs) Single-engine plane. (laughs) Wait, single-engine
1: plane. (laughs) Welcome to the industry. Nah, man, but a guy, as I said, we were running a marketing firm, and we couldn't get any hits in the Valley. Like, we were trying to get people to give us contracts, trying to get people to, to work with us, and they just wouldn't give us the opportunity. Folks uh-huh. would be like, yeah, you, we, we love what you're doing, give you a pat on the back, and then you turn around and it felt like they were kicking you in your butt, uh-huh. right? Or a pat on the head, I should say. Good boy, right? So, so when we got on this plane, Kevin and I start kicking up a conversation about the work that we do and why we can't get, you know, access to the market. And the dude sitting on the plane heard us talking um, and ultimately turned around and said, hey, I want to talk to you all when we get off this plane. Um, When we got off the plane, we had a conversation. He said, I have this idea. I was in the cannabis industry and we need workers, but I don't know how to market this idea. So we said, "Bet, what what do we need to do? He said, come out to Cleveland, check out my idea. And if you like it, start marketing for us. So we flew out to Cleveland three months later, got there and the, the concept was good. But the way the way we move and then my history. Right. And college student personnel kicked in. And I said, yeah, this is in the school. I went to school for schools, and this isn't it. So sometimes it's fate. It just matches Everything aligned. That's what I'm hearing. It aligned, right? And and our Mm -hmm. marketing and then Kev's marketing and my background and schooling all aligned in that moment. Um, And he said, well, I need y'all help, and I can't afford y'all, but I can definitely give you some ownership. So he handed us both some ownership of the company and said, let's do this together and became our business partner. So our way into the cannabis industry came straight through our marketing
0: firm and our first entrepreneurship journey. So this is back to the conversation Mm -hmm. on entrepreneurship. Did you believe in him or did you believe in the product, so to speak? So getting into cannabis, right? So that's how we got
1: into the the cannabis industry. So the reason why we committed to it is because there's a part of the cannabis industry that called our names, right? So we understood a little bit about the industry from different ways of being involved with it early on. So seeing, having an idea of what it can be and understanding this idea of career readiness and having it merge and meet in this one industry that was so young, it was like, wait. There's going to be a lot of opportunity in the cannabis industry, not only for us to move, but for our people who've been hurt through the cannabis industry to join into the movement and have access to an industry that they wouldn't have access to before. And the only way that we can promise them, you know, a road and a path to the industry is through education. Um, So the cannabis industry is wide open. And if we're looking for people to start on the ground floor and move up, they got to get in early. Right. Because then if not, the only thing that's going to be left is ground floor opportunity. So we said the cannabis industry is going to boom and we have a means to get people to that end of success in the industry. And and that was the
2: school.
0: Thank you. Kevin, talk to us about this. This is about positioning. This Mm -hmm. is about preparation. What's your vision and and how to help your people in this way?
2: You know, Ty touched on the fact of um, the position that we were in. Right. And Uh what we were. Really, you know, uh, getting a bit of frustrated with, but really trying to challenge ourselves with here in the valley. So I think Ty's background obviously was perfectly positioned. Uh, From my perspective, when I was looking at this whole entire thing, it was like, wow, all the things that we were actually involved in the Lehigh Valley really gave us a good idea of what was going on from an economic standpoint, from a workforce development standpoint, and then all the work that we do from an equity and a DEI standpoint. We said. This is actually a real opportunity where we can have our hands on controlling how we can gain people access to true economic opportunity, wellness, and really go ahead and actually really push this thing forward and actually be the ones controlling it. So, when you ha- asked that question around, you know, um, what does this opportunity bring for us being able to, you know, liberate our people? It was like, wow. Our skill sets and this opportunity lined up perfect, and we get to actually control this and create this, an education model, and open the gate. We could be the actual gateway, and now we get to design it. Let's work. All right. Before we get to the work,
0: let's break. We'll be right back. Spread the word about your business or organization to a well-informed audience. Become an underwriter with WDIY. Our lineup of NPR News and locally produced programs reaches thousands of engaged listeners in the Lehigh Valley and beyond. Underwriting on WDIY is an affordable and effective way to provide information about your product and services to people who care. To learn more about underwriting opportunities, 610-694-8100 or WDIY.org. Welcome back to Let's Talk. You're here with Dr. Batts, Kevin Green, and Tyrone Russell from Cleveland School of Cannabis. Man, you, you, you brothers have me speechless just hearing about your journey, hearing about the work, hearing about the vision. Let's talk about Cleveland School of Cannabis. Tyrone, what do you do? What's next? Talk to me. Just whole workforce development idea. No, I mean, so just looking at the Cleveland School of Cannabis and that
1: and as I mentioned earlier, the goal is to get people in the industry, you know, working because those workers are going to become the owners. And we understand that that climb starts now. Right. Um, So at the Cleveland School of Cannabis, we're offering five different programs for people to get in the industry ranging from horticulture to dispensary training to uh, processing. So people are learning how to extract material from the cannabis. But it's all geared towards getting people skills to access the industry, because without it, they won't be able to get into the field as quickly as they could with it. So we've been teaching people hey, go get this paper. You don't need education to get into the cannabis industry, but if you're trying to get a leg up in any part of your life, you need to have those credentials that the other people don't have. So we constantly promote that to people and what we consider to be the most robust cannabis education on the market um, because our our classes run from 150 to 300 clock hours uh, long. And then you add the fact that we're going to get accredited. We're bringing a different level of credibility to the the cannabis industry, namely cannabis education.
0: Accredited by who? Say a little bit about that.
1: Accreditation, the Middle States Association, which means your accreditation, your organization is approved essentially by the United States Department of Education. Okay, Saying it's legit. You check all the boxes. A legitimate college,
0: a legitimate
1: school. So we're trying to be the first school to do that because we know how important it's going to be for our students to match up against anyone else. When they start saying, hey, you need to agree to get into this market. Our folks are already there with the most robust education that's accredited by the accrediting body that accredits a school like Cornell. That's right. right? Or a school like Yale that says, yeah, this is legit. So we, we pursued it that way so that we can bring a different credibility to the cannabis market as it grows. Thank you.
0: And Kevin, you you talked a lot about uh, DEI, diversity, Mm -hmm. equity, inclusion. What does all of this have to do with the opportunities and where the market is right Mm -hmm.
2: now? So, you know, if you if you dive in and really take a deeper dive into what Tyrone just explained, sense of workforce development and repeating that statement of the individuals coming in right now, the workers will become the owners. It's understanding that any type of work in DEI is long compounding generational work. Right. Because what we're trying to do is we're trying to change systematic ways of disenfranchisement to equitable systematic practices. Say that again? We're trying to change systematic disenfranchisement that's mm-hmm. happened for people of color to equitable systematic change, right? I like the sound of that. That's what we're trying to do. We want it to be systematic, that's what we want. Mm-hmm. So we're trying to affect how it happens, right? Okay. Um, so if you think about workforce development and then we think about growth and we think about an industry opportunity. So the first thing is that the industry is way bigger than anyone touching the plant. Tyron and I don't touch the plant. We can't teach you much about the plan. That's what our professors at the Cleveland School of Cannabis do, and they do a very, very good job of it. Our job is to take our skill sets to be able to go ahead and oversee the business, develop the business, and our our employees to be able to provide the best education moving forward. Mm -hmm. So if you think about that as an ancillary or supporting industry in itself, it says that there's many opportunities in this industry to be able to go ahead and do something. So what we want to do is... From a workforce development standpoint, and if we think about that through DEI, which again, DEI needs to be ingrained into every, all the social fabric of everything that you do every single day, that's what makes it systematic. Is the fact that we know if we're able to change the face of the workforce and diversify and create equity in the workforce, we're creating the people that become the stakeholders of the industry because they will have the knowledge, they will have the work experience. So if you think about that in any other industry, think about the individuals that jump on tech. the 90s and learned a little bit of coding. Huh. Look online what a person gets for right now so, to so, learn a little so you're bit of coding. This is that type of opportunity. This is exactly the type of opportunity. We have individuals that have graduated three years ago and went from 45,000 to 150,000 in three years. There's not another industry that can match up that quickly to it without a college degree and just a six month certificate program from the Cleveland that School of Cannabis. Sounds like tech. Sounds like tech, doesn't sounds it? Right? Like so, why is that? Because it's a uh, There's a massive need for this product in the marketplace, which was actualized by individuals like yourself that was in the legacy market. This is the only new industry that's not new at all. The marketplace is already here. So what we're doing is we're transitioning the marketplace, which means there's a lot of things that need to get built into it for it to meet consumer expectations and what the future is going to be for cannabis. Yeah, but what what we're seeing is
0: is the people that have been most impacted are being left behind. Mm -hmm. I mean, if if I may... Mm -hmm. Because we're leaning on broken systems to
1: try to create a brand new system. So what's going to happen is we're going to get the exact same results from every other system leaking into this space, which is why when you look at the Cleveland School of Cannabis and what we're trying to do, we're trying to interrupt the educational disenfranchisement that happens because Uh once – once a, a four-year institution says you need a degree, we're back into that cycle. Who's going to be left out? What are the numbers going to look like for us actually being able to pursue that degree and enter into that four-year institution who, that doesn't accept us the way they accept folks who can actually pay 65000 $75,000 a year? Right. So then once again, we're in that system. You look at the banking, right? having access to capital the reason why the cannabis industry is where it is in terms of those people still being left behind is because they were left behind in industries that were paying people millions and billions of dollars who are now looking at the cannabis industry licking their lips like we can be a part of that now cuz they're positioned cuz they're, they're already positioned in position. they're already, in, the position. already in position so right. how do you stop that right how do you then say so you're you saying through that?
0: education you're going to create this generational wealth. It's,
1: this this wealth it's one of the best it's ways it's one of the best it. ways to do it it's not the only but it's one of the best we, we ways we got
2: to think about it what does education provide education provides Insight and know-how to take advantage of opportunities that is all around us. Opportunities are infinite; okay. they're always here. It's a, are you ready to take advantage of them? Okay. So if we think about institutions, not only in the sense of the programs and how they set the programs up, costs, all those things, also the culture that's there. Does the culture keep and retain these students so that they believe in themselves and give full effort so they can see all the way through the process? Right. Uh-huh. There's a lot of things when you're talking about doing the work of equity. So our ability to be able to be a systems holder, we we control. The system system that facilitates people getting in the industry we have over 700 grads you know we've done a great job being very very purposeful on providing grants scholarships um, all type of programming to help young black and brown individuals be able to get access to the industry we started a scholarship specifically uh with uh what's name crazy bone from bone thugs to target his community okay in cleveland okay not Mm -hmm. cleveland his blocks in Cleveland, 189. Shout out to, to Bone Thugs. You know what I mean? Man. I think Specifically of notorious to do <laughs> thugs. You know <laughs> what I mean? So to, to go ahead and do those specific things, I, I always think about the one student that we actually did a radio interview with, and I'm, I'm forgetting his name, young black man. Austin. 23, Austin. Take 23 years old, gets, uh, gets a minority scholarship from the Cleveland School of Cannabis, comes to Cleveland School of Cannabis, gets a job at River Creek, which is about two hours away from Cleveland, goes ahead and is doing such a great job. In six months, they paid for him to relocate. Kid moved out of his house. Bought his own home all through and one year between one year before that his whole family didn't believe in the fact that he would be going ahead and throwing his away his life to do something like this. Wow. And the opportunity to put in front of him. And this is now a person that's in a leadership role. That's now. right. So that's now right. he's another person that is now controls the gates, right? That's so right. we created a system and we making sure that we're making sure the system is equitable and then to go ahead and facilitate others to be able to be in leadership. So again, these individuals now are just starting to work for entry level, right? But now they're the supervisors. They're the owners. They're the gatekeepers right. of the industry. Mm-hmm. So if we're really thinking about equity, everybody wants to be an owner day one. That's just not how it works. It took us 10 years to get to this point, 10 hard years to get to this point. And
0: and, and you guys are, are, are role models, right? We say representation matters. Mm-hmm. So they come into the industry seeing the opportunities, yeah. how you utilize your skills to get to this space. Yep, yeah. yep. You
1: look at what, what what Biden just did when he made his announcement early October. Right. And for me, it's it's, it's this extravagant thing that the president said he's going to pardon, you know, all of these people. But after this, you can get locked up for simple possession again. So it's like so you did that for the show. But what are you doing long term to shift mm. what's going on? Because after this point on the law was still in effect In effect. So anybody who has simple possession on Thursday, the morning after you made the announcement on Wednesday party, is right back in the same situation. So what have you done to really shift Mm -hmm. the trajectory of of the industry? You haven't done anything, really. I don't want to say anything because it is something. You have family members who've been locked up for simple possession. Now they're out. You're like, thank you. Uh, But when you think about the grand scheme of the market and the change. It's like, what is that really shifting at this point in time in the industry?
0: I mean, you, you have what's interesting is you have individuals that are doing like decades, life sentences yeah. mm-hmm. for cannabis, while at the same time, people are becoming billionaires in this moment. Exactly. Yep. So so how do we, what, what does the average Joe do in that situation? Like, how do we, how do we, I mean, you look at the stats, right? We always talk about these staggering statistics. It says half of all nonviolent drug arrests are for marijuana. Mm-hmm. We're talking about 1.5 million people in this mm-hmm. country, like, are being arrested for marijuana in any given
2: year. It somewhat feels like it's always the same answer to these type of solutions, but the first thing really is going ahead and starting to figure out the lay of the land and what's happening, right? Okay. What has happened to individuals that look like the three of us and, and some of us directly at the end of the day has put us behind but also made us shut off a lot of opportunities because the risks that might be associated with the feeling of being around cannabis, being around, you know what I mean? I can't even imagine what... A mother would feel like to see or a grandmother would look to see that's lived you know through these errors and have seen this and lost children and lost and buried their friends children and looking at young people now why would you want to even be around something that's a short life so we understand that at the same time we have to understand that there is a real opportunity so how do we first go ahead and really deal with that trauma and then making sure that we're putting ourselves in positions right Uh so how you building relationships how you doing your homework how you starting to self educate yourself about what the situation is and where the opportunities are and And how do you start to go ahead and get connected with not only what's going on from a legislative standpoint to make sure those things keep moving forward, but how do you start positioning yourself, you know, and really, really focusing on goal? That's some of the first things that we have to start doing, because at the end of the day, and I've said this a lot, we can't lose out twice on weed. Mm -hmm. We lost the first time. Mm -hmm. So we understand that and can never take away that. It doesn't matter what they do. It's never going to bring people back. So
0: Biden's not going to give those years back cuz he, he can't. How
2: can you? People people are in the dirt that's right, right now, right? That's people right. have been changed because the prison system is not rehabilitation. It turns technically turns you into more of a savage so you could come back. That's that's so what you're the saying is. So you're saying as a
0: community on. or even as individuals, we have an
2: opportunity. We have an opportunity and we have to be able to start to collectively come together and really position ourselves to take advantage of an opportunity that is so unique main reason is because we're still in prohibition, so it's forcing the industry to go slower than they would want to go slow, because at the end of the day there is enough individuals with the capital to push, but their money and their systems are too tied up in the federal system, and right? And you say
0: individuals, we're talking about corporations. Corporations, corporations right? Yeah. They're too
2: tied up, right? Even from the bank situation, the reason why the banks don't bank with cannabis has nothing to do with how, what they feel about cannabis. It's all about the regulations they don't want, and they have enough fraud on their accounts already. They don't want to add another stipulation <laughs> (laughs) for them to get investigated more and more audits right they don't want more audits at the end of the day right so understanding that that's what's keeping them at bay so while you have this time this is our window and this is the window we have to attack very very focused at a very very focused and deliberate point because that window is closing state by state by state because the tax revenues on the books and every state sees it now so yeah. it's actualized. We know how much money we can make, and there's a lot no more No one on wants to leave that money on the table. No. So, so our
0: world is changing right before our eyes.
2: Right before right? our eyes.
0: Tyrone, let's step away from cannabis and back to entrepreneurship, back to life, back to the journey. What uh, message do you have for the listener that is struggling with all of the social ills that we kind of touched to a little bit? What, what message do you have for folks?
1: I don't think there's a handcuff. I don't think there's a whip. I don't think there's a brick, I don't think there's a fire hose that could ever be stronger than the brace that trauma puts on you. So when people are afraid to fly and take advantage of these opportunities, it's because the handcuff of trauma is there. And when that's there, it's, it, it's a wrap. So what I would tell my folks is to recognize that, that fear you feel of not wanting to get involved with these, these types of industries or that fear that you have to, to run <laughs> and to fly, it, it's trauma. So when people are telling you, you know, you, you shouldn't do that or you can't do that, it's them projecting their trauma on you. So for my folks who have that mind that say I really want to, but I'm afraid um, and the people around me don't think I can know that, that that's those handcuffs. Right. And there's there's in my opinion, there's not a physical thing in this world stronger than that barrier that we place on our mind and our imagination. So I would tell my folks to, to start to free themselves mentally and then watch everything fall into place. That's deep.
0: man. Kevin, to the listener that's struggling, man, mm-hmm. that that believes that they can't what message do you have for them
2: you know it's what I've had to tell myself every single day and I still do to just remind myself you know you are enough Mm. you are you have enough and you are enough to start right now Mm -hmm. commit to being a lifelong learner and understand there's a lot more growth there's a lot more development Mm -hmm. there's a lot more healing that you're going to have to go through but today you are enough and today you can start your journey to attack and figure out and get to where you want to be or where you believe you can be you know Tyrone said it right. The mind's a powerful thing, and uh, when you really start to value yourself, you start to project that into the world. You start to move like that. You know, you start to step like that. I think about the the times of being young and perfecting your walk. You know, your walk had to be right. You know what I mean? Because you felt like you was enough. You know what I mean? Right. You felt like you was enough. The way you walked through that hallway, man. You know, it was it's, it's, it's a different feeling. So you know I mean? Touch on that. You are enough. And t- today's the day.
0: Thank you, man.
2: Gentlemen, we appreciate your time with us, man.
0: This is powerful. Uh, How do folks get in touch with you? Where do they learn more about Cleveland School of Cannabis, more
2: about your journey? Yes, so uh, definitely uh, Cleveland School of Cannabis. Obviously, Google it, csceducation.com. Uh, we are on all the social media platforms as you need to be in this day and age. So uh, definitely go ahead, check us out, see what we have available, and uh, really just at the end of the day, uh, Cleveland School of Cannabis. Uh, we pride ourselves of being a great option, and uh, we want to be a part of uh, your journey. And that's how we kind of really look at it. And we just uh, we just hope that everybody really goes ahead and looks at us and all of the other things that are going on in the industry. You know, you know, like our brothers out in New Jersey at the uh, Minority Cannabis Association, the great work they're doing. Uh, Academy, Minority Cannabis Academy, the great work they're doing out there and some partnerships that we have going on specifically focused around equity mm-hmm. um, initiative to continue to put more systems and more boots on the ground around the work that we're doing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, tap in with us.
0: All right. Thank you, Kevin, for joining us and for your time.
2: No, thank you. Be great to be here.
0: Tyrone, it's been a pleasure, man. Thank you for joining us. Likewise, man. Thanks for having me. All right. This is Let's Talk with Dr. Batts, and we're signing out. Please Peace.